0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 259th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 858th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of August 4th, 2022. I'm your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier proud... Banner moment. And
1: Indiana is the national champion.
0: When it comes down, Indiana will be champion.
1: Smart takes the shot. Oh, and- Hoosiers the national yeah.
0: This week's banner moment occurred on Wednesday when the latest round of Hoosiers for Good NIL deals were announced. In all, 10 men's basketball players, plus women's basketball newcomer Sidney Parrish, were introduced as Hoosiers for Good athletes. They will work with organizations ranging from the YMCA of Monroe County to Warriors for Peace to Big Brothers Big Sisters of Central Indiana. You'll recall that Trace Jackson Davis and, and Race Thompson became Hoosiers for Good athletes in the last round, with their ambassadorship making a huge impact for organizations like the Turnstone Center in Fort Wayne. This means that 12 of Indiana's current 13 scholarship players now have lucrative NIL deals through Hoosiers for Good, which was recently named one of the top 20 most ambitious NIL collectives in the country by On3. And the money is significant. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star reported that this latest round of deals totaled $425,000. Why does this matter? Because like it or not, And Personally, I like it very much because the athletes are able to earn what they are worth during the small window of time when they play college sports, but like it or not, NIL is playing a huge role in where athletes choose to apply their athletic talents. No, NIL deals cannot explicitly be used as inducements in recruiting. But it's unquestionable that every basketball player Mike Woodson and his staff are pursuing will be made aware of Hoosiers for Good, the Hoosier Hysterics Collective, and just how big of a pie there is for members of Indiana's flagship sports program to divvy up. So when stories like this are announced and get press, it matters. And given Mike Woodson's success so far on the recruiting trail and in keeping his own players out of the transfer portal, I would say so far it's working. All right, now let me introduce my co-host this week. Andy is off. Ryan is off. Ryan had to have surgery today. He just posted a picture, uh, Coach. He's looking better than ever, wouldn't you say? <laughs> That's the best I've seen him looking in in years. I know. You know, it's a, been quite a week for him with the Padres trading for Juan Soto, and you know, as I text him, it's a shame he can't smell the roses now. It was a nasal surgery that he, uh, sinus surgery that he had to have, but. We joke, but he's in good spirits. He's doing well. So, you know, send him a tweet. Let him know that you're thinking about him uh, or heckle him about the Padres or Chargers. You know, whatever you normally do. Um, but we do have here with us, you just heard his voice, the longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of the world-renowned Delphi Bracketology Club, and the proud owner, as we learned this week, of an obscene amount of home field apparel shirts.
1: He remembers when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven
2: help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but
0: remember fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's tonsoni time. Coach, it is tonsoni time. What's on your mind?
2: Well, it I tell you what, it's just uh very thankful to to be following a a university and athletica program that has fans and and and, and just from the collective that you mentioned the ability to do that uh, from the fans who participate in an impromptu guess, the number of t-shirts um, <laughs> with which Jason Barnett cor- correctly uh, uh, made the correct first, correct choice. And his shirt is already on the way. Uh, love sharing that, um, you know, t- to uh, just a-, a tremendous amount. I-, I crashed a party Friday night where Clayton Anderson was playing and his guitarist, Chris McConnell, comes up and says I recognize your voice you're from assembly call <laughs> uh and, and Chris if you're listening your cell number phone didn't stay in my phone so I promised you I'd text you and so you got to get a hold of me somehow and get me some contact information um but that was fun and then Forrest Gray who's in the chat right now he's a he's going to be a 50-year i in he had a nice conversation on social media uh I, I'm just in a very fortunate position to um being here with, with all of us here on the assembly call and, and the back home network to, to have access to so many good um, good people and, and good fans. And it, it just speaks volumes because I, I know there's a lot of sad people in this area uh, where I live because of re- recent decommitments and lack of NIL and the interest is waning a little bit. Absolutely. So, um, you know, w- when August is a little slow basketball wise and everything, it, it's it's you know, you have to appreciate your blessings. And I think being an Indiana fan, uh, has its ups and downs with wins and losses. And we're headed to a football season of uncertainty. Uh, but I wouldn't trade it for anything with, uh, the connections that I've made with, um, a, a lot of you guys who are listening. It, it's just, uh, it, it keeps me, uh, keeps me going.
0: Should really be the marketing slogan for the football team this season. I feel like a season a of uncertainty. uncertainty and it would actually be putting a positive spin. on yeah. things. I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, i can let yeah, anything well said, slide coach. but you know but that's the thing you know it's so well said coach because it is a football season of uncertainty but you know yeah. what is certain that good friends are going to get together and have an awesome time going to games and talking right. about the teams it brings people together um and that's why this stuff matters so a very very important point that you know is nice to reflect on here in the middle of the offseason okay so here's what we have in store this week we're going to go through a few hoosier headlines And then in segment two, we are going to power rank the Indiana roster. We've talked a lot about, you know, this talented roster, this experienced roster, how many options Indiana has, who are the most indispensable players from one to 13. We are going to take our stab at it. And of course, we hope that you here live and listening on the podcast uh, will play along in your own heads uh, and power rank as we go. And then, of course, in segment three, we will answer a few questions from our community members. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Homefield Apparel, well on for the team. Yes, that's right. Home Field Apparel. They are the presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network. Uh, And they've been supporting our show for, I think, six years now. Uh, And just an incredible company um, that, you know, came up uh, from Indiana in the Kelly School of Business. uh, And they have an amazing business model, which I know you know. They go take old logos and brand marks from, you know, other schools and kind of breathe new life into them. They started with Indiana. They've got well over 130, 140 schools now, something like that. Uh, But really, I don't know why I'm talking about them. Because I have many home field apparel shirts. Don't get me wrong. I order lots from them but I don't have as many as this guy, Coach Tonsoni, who we learned this week has how many home field apparel shirts, Coach? What's the number? Uh, 46 shirts and sweatshirts total. <laughs> 46 <laughs> shirts and sweatshirts. Forty-six. Do you have, okay, minus your Indiana ones, which I know are near and dear to your heart, what are your other favorites? Like if you had to pick three uh, favorites that are not from your Indiana collection, what are they?
2: Yeah, the, the Gonzaga sweatshirt, the new – they just have a little new flavor to the sweatshirt uh, here recently this last year, but I have a Gonzaga sweatshirt that is just very comfortable. Uh, I, I like that. I, I like the Fog uh, Allen reference T-shirt um, for Kansas, for the traditional uh, Fog Allen, uh, the the stadium and all that. That That's kind of cool. And, and I like a, I have a Mississippi State sweatshirt that um, – big follower of Mississippi State and, and baseball Supporting down your there. guy, so. Limonis. Yeah, Coach Limonis was good to me uh, with some tickets right. here this spring. So those are my three favorites. But, man, it's hard its hard to decide between, you know, what to wear. I got the assembly call one on
0: tonight. Very um, nice. But,
2: yeah. Catch Very me. Nice. I dare
0: you. Well, hey, go to homefieldapparel.com. Use our promo code HOME because you'll get 15% off. And that's a great thing. Their Their Indiana collection is still their biggest. They are Hoosiers at heart but they have something for everybody. So whether you just want something cool for yourself that has an interesting design or you got friends or family that went to another school and want to support them, go to homefieldapparel.com. You're going to get a great product. You're going to support a great company. Uh, And again, use the promo code HOME for 15% off. Ladies and gentlemen, we have breaking news here on the set of the Assembly Call. Uh, We have a third co-host. The other coach, Jeff Marlowe, joining us tonight uh coach Marlowe, how's it going pretty good jared how about yourself can you hear me pretty good i can't hear you. you sound good do you have a do you have, do you have a different setup happening yeah
1: testing out the new mic tonight for the first time so
0: very nice well it sounds good we're well, glad you could join us coach very glad you could join us. Uh, okay, gentlemen, let's get into some Hoosier headlines here. Uh, and there's not a ton that happened. You know, obviously, there's some recruiting news uh, as the, you know, the live recruiting period ended last week. And so this week, you saw a lot of visits. Uh, I believe Arrington Page and Jamie Kaiser visited uh, Deshaun Harris-Smith. I don't know if that's the name. D- I know his initials are DHS. It's Deshaun Harris-Smith. Uh, they all visited. We had class of 25 in-state recruits, Trent Sisley and Jalen Harrelson visited, and you saw lots of pictures floating around on social media uh, of those guys on their visits. Uh, you know, and now we'll wait to see what happens. Obviously, uh, Mike Woodson and his staff would love to get another commitment or two uh, in next year's class, as we've talked about, a big man and a shooter. Those are clearly the two things that they are targeting, um, and we will now wait to see what these young men choose to do. Um when they decide, Jared, uh, yes.
1: I would just say you're talking about a shooter. I don't know if you saw this the other day, but the kid from, from McCutcheon and Coach Ton may help me with the name La- Law Horn. La- uh, the kid that played at McCutcheon but then transferred out just decommitted. And I think we had offered him before. He did get in his previous spot from the <laughs> I, school I won't mention.
0: So I wonder no, if. No, you that can mention it. That's okay. Mm-hmm. We, we already played the fail for them once. Uh, Yes, Dre Gribbs uh, Lawhorn uh, did decommit. From everything I hear, it doesn't sound like Indiana will really be um, involved in that one. Um, So, you know, I suppose that is subject to change, Um, but I'm not really holding my breath on that one. But yes, he did uh, decommit, so we will not have to face him in the Big Ten, uh, I guess, unless he chooses another Big Ten school. Um, Also, Coach, I don't know if you saw, but there was a video released of Jalen Hood Shafino in an empty gym making three-pointers. Uh, so those are always nice to see in the off season. Oh boy. We've got, we've got, uh, someone joining us here in the chat, don't we? Let's, uh, let's block those. Um, but yes, it is that time of year again, where we'll get the the workout videos in the summer of guys making shots. And, you know, it always, I always reminds me of the Evan Fitzner video, uh, you know, his off season where he was making a bunch of threes, you know, I would say with, uh, with Hood it's a little bit more interesting, um, just because I thought his shot, his shot looks good. Um, And we've heard a lot this off season that he's shooting maybe a little bit better than expected, uh, and if he, you know, look, an empty gym is a heck of a lot different than Big Ten games or being in Fog Allen field house with you know real defenders flying at you. So it remains to be seen, uh, but it certainly looks like there's a lot to work with there from a shooting perspective. So, on a slow off season week, that was cool to see. Coach, you want to comment here? Will I take care of the spam? That's yeah, um, currently infiltrating the chat. <laughs> yeah, I. You
2: know, I, I'm just excited. I think, I think we're getting the right type of athletes, uh, in for visits, you know, and again, I don't follow it like a lot of people do. And, um, but I, I do think that what we're seeing is length. We're seeing some ability. Hopefully we're seeing some shooting. I, I, I said in the show a couple of weeks ago, the, the Sisley kid, I saw him for the first time live and he was, he just was very intriguing. His body for it for, for a young kid and I can only help you want to get those real talented in-state guys that, that's the one that excites me too if they're really talented nationally talented when they're from your state um the question is the the Badunga guy we played last year uh, at Kokomo and we'll play again this year um he's he's really blossomed into a to a big to watch um he he was um a, a little bit um raw when we saw him it was his first ever game here in high school and and we kind of we he had 12 points against us but we put a guy in front of him and behind him and pushed him off the blocks and we're very we pretty much beat him up a little bit but he's gotten so much better from from that point so I'm I'm just impressed with uh, what this staff is doing uh in getting these visits and and trying to um trying to upgrade the roster because that ultimately has been the issue the last five or six years
0: So what happened here in the chat, and this happens from time to time here on YouTube, is we get these spam chats that come in. And this is from something called, like, Naked HD or something. But, Coach, I think you accidentally blocked Denny Brown... Instead, oh jeez! Instead of just blocking, so Denny, sorry, I Denny. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you can't get back into the YouTube chat, I will look into this after the show. I don't see an easy way to unblock you, uh, but oh, just know that we see it this. Must have, and we will try it must have it.
2: slipped up a little <laughs> yeah. bit uh, as I was trying to. <laughs> sorry,
1: Denny. Yeah, Denny, we I'm apologize. Just... Stay in my it lane. Might have, might have been me. Yeah, I'll say thing. Might have been me. I think we were all trying to to block that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, and let's see, the only Danny other one for the team, <laughs> yeah. Um, the only other real notable uh news this week actually comes uh from our friends to the south there in Lexington. Um, and look, you know, I think it's worth uh giving those guys kudos. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of flooding in Kentucky, and I thought what uh, John Calipari and the Kentucky team did holding the fundraiser uh to support the flood victims uh, was fantastic. They raised. I know it was at least a million. It might have been two million dollars. Uh, that was a really cool. It was a really cool way to, you know, use the power of that brand and those players, uh, and what they mean in that state uh, to do something good. Uh, but then, of course, John Calipari has to go and remind us of his, remind us of his lesser qualities. Uh, by refusing to play a home-and-home against Gonzaga. Now, they are going to play the series. This was like the big story. You know, uh, Mark Few was like on a boat and called in while they're doing this fundraiser. And so they're going to play a series, and it was originally supposed to be a home-and-home. And then it came out either today or yesterday that, surprise, surprise, John Calipari and the Wildcats will not be going to the visiting arena and playing in another, you know, on-campus location where college basketball should be played because it's the most fun. And his quote was anybody that wants us to play in a 6,000 seat facility wants us to lose. And I get that. I tried to look back and find the last time UK played in a true regular season road game with 6,000 or fewer fans. I stopped looking after the seventies, which is just a remarkably disingenuous thing to say, because of course anybody who schedules anybody wants the other team to lose But the reason why people want to play in home arenas is that's where college basketball is at its best. And if they're going to come play in Rupp Arena, you should go play in their venue. And also, John, it's clearly not about the size of the arena because there are other arenas that are a whole lot bigger that you won't step your cowardly feet in either. So don't give us this nonsense. It's just more disingenuousness from John Calipari. And anyway, kudos on the fundraiser, but please stop being such a big baby. Any thoughts? Well said. Well, you, you know, he doesn't even have to say it.
2: I mean, he may think that and he may hold out to move that, move it to the venue, the bigger venue, but come on, no better than to say it because it just, it doesn't do you any good. And, and I know he doesn't have to please Brian Tonsoni, but my goodness, you just did a fundraiser for people who are suffering from a natural disaster. That's awesome. And then you come out and act, act like just a, a whiny, whatever that's Good, man, I don't even say that. Good grief!
0: Yeah. All right. Well, there wasn't a lot of news, so that's what we've got for you this week. But we're going to move on now to segment two. And coming up, it is time to get down to brass tacks with this roster. It's deep. It's talented. But let's rank it. We're going to power rank it from one to thirteen, starting with the most indispensable player, and going from there. This will be fun. Stick with us. In this in the
1: Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. All
0: right. Welcome, everybody. Great to see you all here for another off-season episode. Always appreciate it. Hey, uh, Coach Tonsoni, were you having any trouble hearing Coach Marlowe? There, there was a little bit of a delay a couple times when you talked, Coach. Yeah, it looks like he starts moving, and then you
2: hear the sound about a half a second later.
0: Yeah, so I don't know if maybe your connection hmm. isn't great
1: or what's happening. Um. All right, hey, I'll let me jump out of here real quick and I'll hunt back in. I'll restart my computer and see what happens. Okay.
0: That'll work. Um. Yeah. So we'll see, we'll see how this goes. I don't know if we've ever power ranked the roster from one to 13, but I think it's actually kind of an interesting, well, there's episode. some interesting debates. There are some interesting debates. I know.
2: A- and I don't know that there's wrong
0: answers, you know, um, right. It's, as my wife says, it's all just speculation and none of it means anything in the offseason. And <laughs> she's right. <But laughs> Which is not good for a show that depends on, you know? It's okay. It does matter. Yeah. Come on, Heather. Like, I'm like, hey, look, we're here to have a weekly show and get together with our friends, all right? But we choose to That's talk true. about it. It doesn't always have to be earth shattering, it doesn't always have to be the most meaningful topic. It just matters that we get together and then we just have some fun ideas to kick around. So, Hey, uh,
2: Dominic's talks about cups and Shepard. uh, two different kinds of players, but boy, I like cups watching him in that ESPN game last week. Um, was patient, you know, wasn't scoring early, but doing a lot of little things. And then he found some scoring opportunities, ended up with nine or 10, maybe just in double figures. You know, he he's going to have a learning curve to him, but he just looks like a, a tough nosed Indiana kid. That's going
0: to do a lot of the little things. Well, to, to help winning man basketball. I got in a conversation about this with somebody this week, you know, basketball is not just a game where you can necessarily, you know, take the five best scores and just roll them out there and expect it to work. It is a game of roles and it's a game of matchups and you've got to have role players and you've got to have guys who understand the roles as we're going to talk about. I think that's, you know, that's going to be an interesting question for this IU team. And that's what Gabe cup seems to me. Like the guy that every year is going to have a role And we'll understand it and fully embrace it. And you better have guys like that if you want to win consistently, you know. So whatever his limitations may be, that's fine. But I feel like he'll be a guy that you're going to be able to trust and count on and and able to fill a meaningful role every year. He was looking for the next play before the ball ever got to him.
2: And and, and it it was just. To me those kind of players are fascinating to watch. So when that ball hits his hands, he knows if this closeout comes from this angle this ball's going here. If not I'm driving here or if they don't close out I'm sh- he knows he, you could just tell he knows basketball. Yeah. Um and he, does he make mistakes? Yes, all of those kinds of things. He's not perfect, but man, you love that as a coach when that kid understands basketball and where the ball needs to go and where the plays are going to be made. I mean, he threw he drove baseline and the opposite opposite post dive was coming and he threw the ball to a spot. The defender was actually in better spot to receive it. And the offensive man got there at the same time. Most people would wait to to make sure it was open. He threw it to a spot expecting his teammate to be there. And, and he did it a couple of those times. So, um, yeah, Nick, I agree. Neil Reed, um, type of, of player. I, I think he reminds me a lot of halls and might have a little bit better passing, um, you know, th- th- than, than, than I I think he's going to, people are going to fight to be on his fan club president of his fan club when he gets here.
0: It's funny, man, Jay Horry and I were going back and forth this weekend, trying to think of player comps for cups. Cause he was talking about how it's a, it's a difficult one. Like to me, you like, there's elements of his game, right? Like his little mid range pull-up game reminds me of Damon Bailey. Um, you know, the, the comp that Jay had, he really likes him. His comp was Colin Gillespie. Now, Colin Gillespie was an amazing player. Does Gabe Cups have that kind of ceiling? We'll see. Uh, but that you know, he's the type of player to me. You know, like I don't think you're not necessarily going to build the team around him. He's not a good enough scorer, you know. But he supports really good players, and if you put good players around, you know, put him yeah. in a lineup with other good players, he's going to make them better. That's why I'm excited uh, about him. You saw it in that game. Yeah.
2: Shepard was hot early and, and the big kid was hot, and he was just feeding, 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 and screening. And then all of a sudden, second half, he had two points. Then he got his nine points uh, when, when it was available for him. That, that's a skill, too. Letting the game come to you instead of having to have the ball right away. That's right.
0: Yep. All right, let's hop in and do this here. Um here we go, coach. Bada bang. <laughs>
2: Hi, this is A.J. Moyer. What's the only thing better than upsetting Duke in the Sweet 16? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan,
1: and Coach for the assembly call after every IU basketball
0: game. Go Hoosiers. Boy, talk about role players who know their roles and play them to a tee. There's a the guy right there, the great A.J. Moyer. Thank you, AJ. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni, and we will see if Coach Jeff Marlowe. Ah, there's Coach Marlowe, so hopefully he's got internet connectivity issues put behind him, and we are ready to roll here in segment two, but we are going to power rank the roster and hopefully have some fun debates along the way. And here's the criteria, because obviously you could do this in a lot of different ways. Um, Guys, the criteria that I set for this is a simple question. Who is the most indispensable player for the upcoming season? right. So we're not looking, you know, a few years down the road. We're looking at just for this season and it's who is the most indispensable, meaning whose absence would negatively affect the team the most. That's how I think we should, we should look at it. So not necessarily who's the most talented, not necessarily, you know, who needs to take the biggest leap, who has the most potential, but right now looking at it, how we project things. And obviously there's stuff we don't know, you know, we don't There's a lot of unknowns with the freshmen, and so they're kind of hard to slot into an exercise like this, but we're going to give it our best shot. So who is the most indispensable? Uh, And I will kick this off with my number one, and then we'll see if you guys agree, see if those of you in the chat mob uh, agree here, and then we'll debate it. Uh, No, I will say I did not arrive at my number one choice without some hesitancy. I think you could make reasonable arguments for a few guys on this list. Um, but ultimately I still settled relatively comfortably on Trace Jackson Davis. Um, you know, and I think, look, there were times last season when he was a little bit inconsistent, um, maybe that was due to injury. Uh, you know, maybe not. I mean, he's been inconsistent during his career, but we saw at the end of the season what he means. (laughs) And when he's fully engaged, you know, he makes this an NCAA tournament team. And then you start building on top of that to raise the ceiling. But, you know, Trace is the most devastating lob threat in the country. If he's not the most devastating, he's one of them. He's one of the best rim protectors in the country and really helps set up so many of the things that Indiana wants to do defensively. He's the clear leader and go-to guy. And, you know, Coach, you and I were talking about this in in the break. You know, I think basketball teams tend to succeed when there's role clarity. You know, who's the star, who's supporting? Do we all know what we're supposed to do? And for better or worse, for three years, you know, Trace has kind of been the sun around which everyone else orbits. Um, and I think this year he's he should be more ready than ever uh, to to really succeed in that role. Um, and I think his experience and his confidence can be leaned on. And so I just think when you look at who does the most unique things and whose absence would really change things for the worse for Indiana, You know, to me, I think it's Trace because I think some of the other guys, as we'll get to, you know, with a guy like Xavier Johnson, well, you've got Jalen Hood there now that could maybe step in as a point guard. You know, for Race Thompson, you've got guys like Malik Renault. But who brings the package of skills and experience and confidence um, and just gravitas, uh, you know, given his stature on the roster that Trace Jackson Davis does? um, I don't think there's anybody. And so all of his foibles, you know, fully baked in here, I think ultimately he's to me he's the clear number one if we're discussing this on who is the most indispensable player for this team this season um, I think there's a lot of debates to come but I think I think ultimately trace stands relatively clearly above everybody else at number one curious yeah to hear your thoughts I,
2: I think so because there's not someone that's readily available to do what he does right um I think the other argument and I think it's a very good argument um, would be Xavier Johnson, uh, because, um, a point guard makes it all go there. There is no alley-oop. There is no post feeds without a guard initiating offense. And, and really I thought once he, when he played well, Indiana played well, uh, and I think there's a comment in, in the chat that, When he wasn't there at Northwestern, and we had Trace and TJD and Race, we didn't beat a a Northwestern team that we should have beaten. But that's a one one game situation, and a lot of things uh, were there. But I'm with you. I I think you know he's your 20 point scorer, your 10 point rebounder, your shot blocker. The way to change momentum, Uh, we would be at a loss, uh, a more significant loss. I think there are other players that could fill in if Xavier had to sit out. That hopefully could maybe make up some of, of Xavier's positives.
0: Coach Marlowe.
1: Yeah. I, I went with TJD um, as the, my number one, to me, it was a, it it wasn't, I know X is, it can be part of that conversation, but TJD has to play at a big 10 player of the year level. He has to be in the conversation for a national player of the year level for me, for us to have the season that I'm hoping for us to have.
0: Yeah. All right, let's go on now and get to the place where we may have some more debates. Uh, let's go to number two. Um, I went with Xavier Johnson for number two. Uh, and again, part of this is because we don't know exactly what we're going to get from the freshman. You know, we've got Jalen hood coming up. Um, and I wrote as my first bullet point for Jalen hood is it possible he ends up as the best player on the team? I think he's got that kind of potential, honestly, you know, two-way potential. And that, that's not to try to you know, make the hype crazy, but just from some of the things you hear and as steady as he has been, I think he could be that, but we have to see it. That's the thing. And with Xavier Johnson, the reason why I ended up ranking him number two is he is a proven two way player. Like we've seen it now we've seen him be really erratic. There's no question about it. Um, but you know, he and Trace really seemed to figure something out at the end of last season. And I'm buying that for this season, that we will see it more regularly. I think it's perfectly reasonable to think that, you know, a new point guard and a new system with a coach in college basketball for the first time, there were going to be some growing pains, and it took them a while to get going, but then it clicked. And so I think those two guys can really click. And again, as optimistic as we all, I think, can and should be for Jalen Hood, Shafino, we don't know yet how he's going to fare as a freshman. So looking at this right now on August 4th, to me, that makes Xavier more indispensable plus his pressure or his presence removes pressure from Jalen Huchofino. Jalen Huchofino can ease into the season and kind of find his way because Xavier Johnson is there with four years of experience under his belt. There's lots of things X has to do. He's got to get more consistent. Obviously, he's got to do all the right things on and off the court, all that stuff. So this isn't to say that he's perfect by any means. All these guys have question marks. But I, to me, he's the second most indispensable player because of what he means for the development of Jalen Hood and frankly, because he's just a really good player on his own, even with his ups and downs, he's a really good player. Um, so I went him number two. Who'd you guys have number two on your list? Go ahead, Coach
1: Marlowe. I had X. Yeah, I had X. Um, I, I just think I like a veteran point guard, and I th- the fact that he's a two way player, he can play D, he can he can do things in the offensive end. And I'm not trying to make this as a, a straight out comparison. But Stockton and Malone worked great the first year together. I think you got to get some continuity and some reps together. And I think when we saw Mike Woodson finally go to a little more pick and roll offense, Xavier really started to come into his own. I think I, I would like to hope we're going to see way more of that. And X will just get better, and the reads will get better, and then hopefully putting some shooters around them this year. But I, I, I went with X; it was my second. That was those two were easy for me. It was on three, three through about nine that got tough for me. <laughs> What about
0: you, coach?
2: I think it has to be X, because I would make the argument that X is probably a, a real close number one. Uh, I think for me, it's a lot closer than what it sounds you guys were, uh, because I believe it's a guards game uh, and, and you could have great bigs. But if you don't have guards and I, and I just really the the trajectory of X last year just really impressed me Um not so much as summer stuff, but, um, what he did on the court was fantastic. Uh, and, and he, and he was dominant and I, I still go back without trying to be, you know, I don't want to get too negative, but we, we were 12 minutes away from having this, dis- this discussion really big about, you know, trace doesn't have a good end of his season. He, he was really bad, uh, in that, uh, that first 30 miss, you know, game of Michigan, so, both of those guys have some flaws and, and some times where they disappear, uh, and both of them are needed to play at a high level in order for Indiana to be a top uh, four seed. So um, but I, I think X is clear number two if he if he's not a one, and then the next few uh, positions are the ones that are are quite interesting.
0: It's completely ridiculous. I don't know if Ryan is watching right now as he emerges from his haze, the haze of his sinus surgery. Oh, it appears my daughter is coming in here to the office. You coming to say goodnight, my dear? Okay. It's good to see you, my dear. Give me a hug. I love you. Okay. Um, thank you. Oh, thank you for the apple. Okay. Um <clears throat> good night, my dear. I love you. <laughs> uh okay, so we, you know, I think uh I think in our text thread, coach, I think Ryan said that he was gonna put race number one. And obviously we haven't talked about race yeah. yet. Uh, I have race number three, and there are a whole lot of talented guys behind him. Uh, I will listen to other arguments, but you know, let's not get too carried away. You know, he struggled a little bit at the end of last year and Trace and X went off. But race was probably number one on this list for a lot of last season or he you know he or X for a lot of last season. Um, you know, and I think obviously the presence of Malik Renault, you know means there's now a talented backup big uh, behind him. You know, Indiana could uh, go more athletic with a Jordan Geronimo. They could go with more shooting with Miller Kopp. So, you know, this idea of indispensable, you know, if Race Thompson were removed from the equation, Indiana would have other options. And, And that's why I ended up putting him three, because I think those other options are better than what the other options would be behind Trace and Xavier Johnson, theoretically. But it's really easy to say that. And then it's really easy to kind of forget about all the things that Race does, because so many of those are little things, and they don't always pop up in your memory. You know the alley oop dunks and some of the things that X and Trace did. You think of them immediately, and with race, I feel like the far the further removed you get from games, the easier it is to lose appreciation or have your appreciation dwindle a little bit for the kinds of things that he does. But his leadership, his experience, his consistent production. There's still potential there for better three point shooting. And look, the Big Ten is down this year. I think teams like Indiana that have experienced production are really going to have a leg up. Uh, and again, same thing with Malik Renault, race Thompson's presence is going to allow Malik Renault to kind of breathe and, you know, and get into his freshman season without having a lot of pressure. What a great situation for Jalen Huchofino and Malik Renault to be in. So there are options behind race, but man, I still think race is so important for what this team is going to do. Um, you know, and maybe this is us being, you know, old guys talking about college basketball and being deferential to the seniors. But I think it matters a lot. And I think his production matters. Um, and so I tried to make arguments for other guys. I couldn't ultimately get to anybody being more indispensable than race this season. Doesn't mean other guys aren't important and that they're, you know, that some of the guys after race maybe taking some of his minutes and providing different kind of production that could still be really meaningful for the ceiling of this team but these three guys set the floor and i think they set the floor at nca tournament team and then everybody that we're going to talk about after them now it's kind of like you can raise the the raise it up you know a, a notch or two with each of those guys but i went race number 3 did you guys go differently no
2: i, I went i went race number 3 because of what you said rolls uh he's an energy guy a glue guy uh block shots rebounders can score uh i think he's he's good he does have geronimo and renault behind him to fill in so so the criteria i think puts him at three because i think you have minutes that could be absorbed uh, in a situation where he's in foul trouble uh or or not playing well but race race is an indiana basketball guy just hard nose does everything and that you don't need stats in order to be important uh, necessarily in that. So your, your other options become your shooters. And even though it, it is a guard game, there is a role. You have your point guard, you have your post, and now you have your glue guy who does a lot of things who just happens to be a four. Uh, I, I think that's the, that's the easy hierarchy. Um, but you could, you could say there's more impactful people if they don't show up. Cause if we don't have shooting, none of that happens. So you could throw in the, Hood Shafinos, the Bates, the Cops here, if you wanted to. Uh, I I can't get away from race because of of what he means to the team.
1: Coach Marlow? Yeah, I'm going to be the contrary one then, because I went with Trey. Uh, to me, Trey is the ultimate. Trey Galloway? Camp- Trey Number Galloway, three? because he is the – when we struggled last year, he was hurt. He was not in the lineup. He is the ultimate intangibles kid. He makes plays. He's always in the right spot. And this team needs a kid who doesn't necessarily – as as Coach Tonson just said, doesn't have to score, but he'll do all the little things. And if you remember back to that Purdue game last year, who matched up with Jaden Ivey in that game? Trey Galloway.
2: Coach, Coach, you make a really good point. You make a good point because he was that downhill guy that Indiana didn't have. Now, hopefully some of these guys they're bringing in can be those – you know put it on the deck a little bit more but but everyone uh, sometimes again stats don't mean everything right and shooting percentage doesn't mean everything it is the toughness the speed getting out on the break some of this crazy stuff i know he turned the ball over but yes.
1: man that's um jumps a passing that, lane though i love kids who will jump a passing lane create things on the defensive end yes he's got to get a better shot he's got to quit turning it over but the kid brings energy every time it's a coach's the coach's kid too i man. like that
0: I like okay. that, but I'm not going away from my pick. I still think race no, is the, I'm not, right, I'm the not right, either. right choice. But as, uh, as, as that's Nick a says, great take. I disagree, but I do love the take. Uh, and Coach Marlowe, I love that you came like fiery with the take. Too. Yeah, it's he like was you fired were anticipating. Up. So just to be clear, just to be clear, make sure that we understand the criteria for the exercise. So you would take, you think Trey Galloway is more important than race Thompson or Jalen Hitcherfino. You think we could ab- more easily absorb a loss to those guys than to Trey. Yes. Wow. I'll go okay. I'm, I'm, I'll I mean die on, I'll die you on defended that else. it you defended yeah. it well and you know okay but here's the thing so i want i want to underscore this because just spoiler alert I don't get to trey for a little while on my list uh, and I mean I agree with everything you said i just you know but I think that's the kind of roster that we have this year like this is the fun part about kind of this four through ten range mm-hmm. so there's a lot of really good players who could be productive this year and that's kind of what makes this exercise fun. That's a good that, that's a good pick, Coach. Wow, you've got a he couple of all coaches those here. Coaches love Trey Galloway. Coach <laughs> I mean, Marlowe, Coach Tonsoni, Coach, Coach Woodson, Woodson. That's a hell of a trio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are some great minds. I mean, look, fans love Trey Galloway. The kid plays hard, and Coach, to your point, I mean. He was huge last year, because you do, you think about the times when Indiana was playing at their best, there was a whole lot of Trey, you know, happening in those games. Now, he didn't end the season very well, um, but, you know, other things were, were, were going well. Okay, so you've got Trey Galloway at number three. Let's talk number four. I had Jalen at number four. Um, as I said, uh, if we get to the very end of the season and we're talking about, wow, Jalen Huchofino is the best two-way player on this team, I'm not going to be shocked. Now, he's a freshman, he's got a long way to go to get there, obviously, but You know, we haven't had a lot of freshmen come in with the kind of experience and production at the high school and prep level that Jalen Shafino has had. Um, And so I think that's why there are uh, there's a lot of optimism for what he can do. You know, he does a little bit of everything for a team that has been too limited on the perimeter for too long. Coach, it feels like our guards always do like one or two things well, but they have these glaring holes. And Jalen Huchofino isn't necessarily outstanding at anything, maybe defense, maybe distribution, but he's like good to really good at most of the things he needs to do. Nice to have an all-around guard like that. Plus, as much as Xavier Johnson is important for Jalen Huchofino, I think Jalen Huchofino is also important for Xavier Johnson because he can potentially, ironically as a freshman, be a steady hand that helps you when X goes through some of his ups and downs. Now, again, he's a freshman, so we have to see if what he was as a high school player translates, but that's the kind of player that he profiles as. So because of all those things, and because coaches you said it's a guards game, I put Hochafino fourth. Who do you guys have? I'm
2: I I see, I, I think I agree with you, but I'm gonna throw out Tamar Bates. Um I just think if he can be what we think he can be, then he becomes indispensable where he played last year. I think he'd be lower again next year, but we need that scorer mentality, that pull-up jumper, that three, that ball, that being able to score at the rim, which he supposedly has. Um, and, uh, and he's had a year of experience. So that I think it's, for me, it's between those two guards. Um being in the most indispensable but if i do go with hood Shafino, it's because i think he's a much better version of rob Finney. not experience wise right now but i think he can defend at his size six five and his physical ability he also can deck it and be that backup point guard which means when x gets in foul trouble or there's a situation where you need two point guards out there now you have two high level guards so those were the two that i was debating i'm going to go hood Shafino because of the fact of his point guard ability. I think he, he could become a lockdown defender. And we saw Rob do that early in his career. So I believe Hood Shafino can do that as a freshman. Uh, and so I, I think he is going to be the fourth most indispensable player.
1: Okay. Coach Marlowe? Um, I am going to agree with the, both of you. I had the kind of the same thing that coach Tonsoni had. I had this kind of coming down to Jalen hood, Shafino and, and scoop, but I went with Jalen hood, Shafino. I guess mine is more as, as much off the floor here. If Jalen hood, Shafino plant plate pays out, plays out to be the kid that we think he is, and he gets the amount of time that we think he's going to get, it will show that Mike Woodson can go get those elite recruits, get them playing time, develop them. And I think that opens the door a little bit easier for those kids coming in. But I agree. I think we need that kind of two-way player. And, and Coach Johnson, I thought a great comparison there that I hadn't thought about a bigger version of possibly a Rob Tennessee that that we've kept hoping for Rob to be, not size-wise, but kind of a shooter, defender, drive it to the rim, you know. So, I, I it, you know, I, those two, Tamar and and, and J- Jalen Hutchfield were kind of interchangeable here at four and five for me.
0: You know, it's Jared, clear, when you – Coach Marlowe, we still haven't gotten to race Thompson on your list, right? Yes. Okay, I just wanted to make sure, <laughs> Jared. When you interviewed all, all
2: on the on the the scoop podcast, all the freshmen, they all were impressive in their own right. But there was something about Hood Shafino, too. That just the way he carried himself, he knew when to when to come in, he knew when to joke, when to laugh. When to do, that that was a sense of uh, of a little bit maturity more than I would expect from a freshman. Uh, and I know a small sample size, and there's a lot more to to running a a team and winning, but he just seems really focused on being the best that he can be. Uh, I, I, I'm and maybe that's Rose uh, crimson colored glasses hoping and and wishing an overvalue freshman, but uh, I have real high hopes for him.
0: I mean, look, good programs have freshmen step in and produce. I know that we have a little bit of a checkered past with it. You know, Tamar didn't have the kind of season last year a lot of people thought, you know, for you know many reasons, it seems like. Uh, And we're going to find out this year, you know, if that talent that everybody saw in high school and that I think we all believe in, if it comes through, you know, Christian Lander, you know, we talked about how he could be a guy by February and March that really steps up. That obviously didn't happen. Um, But again, just because we've had some recent freshmen who haven't stepped up, you know, we need to become a program that has the experienced guys at the top. You know, the top two or three guys are experienced. And now you've got these talented freshmen that come in and are really important parts. And that to me, if this season goes well, this is what's going to happen because I have Malik Renault as my fifth most indispensable player. I don't think this means he's going to play the fifth most minutes. But the reason why I have him here is because I do think he's going to play and produce. Again, every report you hear about him physically ready, um, has the skills. He's going to struggle with the defense and some of the things that big men often struggle with. But the guy knows how to score and he's got a body ready for college basketball that most guys don't have. And what his presence allows you to do that no one else on the roster gives you is it allows Indiana to potentially absorb a front court injury or foul trouble. And it allows Trace and Race to rest more and be fresher at the end of the season, which if this team is going to do the things in February and March that we want, those guys need to be fresh. And so, you know, I I just think all the players that we're going to talk about After this, um, to me, they're all are going to play important roles, but I think they actually seem like less of a sure thing right now than Renault being able to play 12 to 18 minutes, be your solid backup big man, and really allow race and trace to breathe a little bit more than they were able to last year. Michael Durr had his moments, but you were never you couldn't really rely on him. And I think Malik Renault is going to be a guy that's going to come in and give you some consistent production. Um, and so, and again, I think for this program, if you can have two, you know, four and a half star freshmen, like Huchofino and Renault were come in and not have to be the stars, but be solid contributors, that's the formula. Um, and so I'm hoping that's what happens. And I just think, you know, again, will Renault be the fifth most productive guy on the roster? I don't know, but having a third big to take pressure off of trace and race, I think makes them better and makes the team better. Cause you can mix and match some of the other guys we're going to talk about after this. You don't have anybody else that provides that kind of backup um, that I think Renault projects to. So that's why I have him at number five. I would go, go ahead,
1: coach. I want to make sure I, I back up here a little bit. I had misread my notes a little bit. Now, Jared, this is where I have race at okay. number five. I just want to All make right? sure. <laughs> I have race at number five because I do agree he is the ultimate glue guy as well. I mean, I think him and Tracer or Trace, excuse me, him and Trey are both really good glue guys that you want to have. And the more you have those kind of guys on the floor, you know, to me is great. But I just, because of uh, the, the things I think we're going to see from some of the others that we're going to talk about as we go through here, I think maybe not because he's going to be less. I I, I should say that way. Let me rephrase that. He's, I just not sure race is going to put up the amount of stats he did last year per se, just because he may see less playing time. But I just think that, um, those other th- four kids right now would be kids I think are going to be more impactful than race, but race may surprise me. And he may, you know, that's fine. If he does, then we're going to have a great season. Either way
2: for, yep. for me, it, the fifth one is, to, is Tamar, Um be, Because I think he's going to get the majority of the run. And I do think not to put pressure on him, but that's one spot we need. We, we need that scoring, that shooting, uh, I, I, I agree with you. Renault would probably be six for me because of the very reasons you said the post presence, the, the solid post moves is old man game, kind of what I've seen on on tape. So that would be my five and six, uh, would be Tamar uh, and, and, and Renault, um, for, for those reasons. But I just, we don't know what we're going to get from tomorrow. Um, I know. I- if we get the best version of Tamar, we're really going to be good. Um, and and so to me that makes him indispensable, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, you know, and, and, and I know you have cop, and I know you have CJ Gunn, and you have Leo, and you have some people who can come in and shoot and score if he doesn't. So it's not like all lost. Um, but you also have you know you have Geronimo who can slide down and Banks who can slide down if Renault um is not there too. So you can make that argument uh, in those ways. I I just I I think. Uh, I'm hoping that that tomorrow is our fifth most indispensable player because we're going to be really good if that's the case.
0: Yeah. So this is where the criteria makes a difference. Um, because if you're saying, you know, who are the most indispensable players for Indiana to be a top 15 team and make the second weekend in the NCAA tournament, I think Tamar has to be one of those guys. You know, I guess the way that I was thinking about it as I went through here is I was almost thinking about it from like a negative perspective, like, okay, who are the most indispensable players just to kind of keep the floor as high as possible? Um, And that's why, so I I really struggle with this one. I ended up going with Miller Cop number six, and I really struggle debating he and Tamar because it's clear Tamar has the higher ceiling. It's clear that Tamar doing all these things raises the ceiling for Indiana. But it's also clear that we haven't seen it yet from him um, as much as we believe in the talent. And right now Miller cop is the most proven shooter on a roster. That's desperate for it. We have a whole lot of theoretical shooters and Xavier Johnson, who was pr- decent off ball last year. Um, you know, but cop is the more proven shooter. Um, you know, and I also think that this is going to be a team that needs guys to accept and thrive in their roles. And I think more than anybody else, I really trust Miller to accept whatever role he's given, whether he's starting, whether he's a backup, um, <laughs> And really thrive in it. Uh, you know, and I think with you know with some of the other guys who have big expectations, um, you know, I, it's not that anybody on this roster has shown anything but being team first um, at all. But there's something about Miller that I just trust in terms of him accepting that role. Plus, he provides experience and leadership. And the truth is, he's been a more consistent defender than Tamar has been. So, again, this team will be better. Tamar raises the ceiling. Um, but I guess when I looked at it from indispensable, you know, I I suppose I looked at it from more of more, more fear based, like for us to just keep the (laughs) momentum going, you know, be in the conversation for a big 10, you know, competing for the big 10, make the NCAA tournament. Um, I think cop is the safer choice. Um, but no question about it. Tomorrow's the higher ceiling. So you want to argue him over cop. I'll listen to it all day long. Um, but I, I do also think that it's worth noting that there are a lot of things that Cop brings that got a little bit lost last year because I thought he played in some lineups, you know, that really he kind of struggled in. His shooting wasn't as good. I expect better from him this year, um, and I think this roster sets up to be a little better for him. So I know there's yeah. you know Cop is Cop is a hot topic. He's a he's a you know controversial player, but um, I think he brings more to the table than he's given credit for.
2: And I think your comment there about it's a better roster for him. I think, I think that's true, um, because his skill set can be utilized more when you have more. Uh, I'm just going to beat this to death. Is more people who can deck it and get the ball, you know, uh, downhill and take care of the basketball. Um, yeah, that's why Trey got a lot of run early last year because he didn't have that. Now you got Hood, Shafino, maybe you got Banks if Geronimo can do that. Uh, you got more guys who can do that, which then allows that catch and shoot three to be a little bit more valuable. Um, and, and you can't, the argument for cop is experience, you know, and, and the other thing I think gets lost. I know it gets lost with me a little bit is um, I think he played through a pretty, pretty tough foot injury uh, and gutted it out. Uh, and that, that, that speaks volumes too, for the kind of young man that, that, that he is. And those are some of the things that that we don't see that, you know, if you got a foot injury, that's not fun to play through. Um that that's that's difficult. And yet, you know, he could have and not that if you rest, you take the easy way out, but you know, he he wanted he wanted to um to play through it. And, and you got to give that credit. And that, that builds, you know, chemistry and, and accountability uh on, on the team too. And and again, I think he fits in to me with with Race and Trey Galloway as guys that bring a lot. We want certain stats from them to be better but they bring a lot of intangibles to and that goes right to your role clarification. Uh, and, and all these guys are important. This is a tough thing about ranking them one through 13, right? All I these immediately guys regretted this as soon as they yeah. started
0: doing the exercise.
2: Right. Um, <laughs> cause you don't want to talk bad about anyone, but I, I do think there are guys that can fit that role. For me, the decision was you, you have a CJ gun. Who's young. You have a, a Leo who does some things well, who can spot shoot as well? So there are some things that Cop does well and is better at, but there's guys that can replace him. Uh, I'm not sure there's a guy with the talent of Tamar, um, and, and that's why Renault as well. I think Renault is just a, a from from Mount Verde again, ready to go. So that that's why those guys would be six, and then Cop falls in at seven, and, and depending on Geronimo, his, his ability to play uh, more perimeter then I think he falls into an easy number uh, eight. And I think that's where, you know, those guys are important.
0: Coach Marlow?
1: Uh, this is where I had scoop. Uh, I think Tamar slots in here for me. I think that, and I wasn't so much for me, but I just know listening to and watching, th- seeing things last year, there was a lot of the fan base that felt, I don't know if disappointed is the word we should use, but just didn't feel Tamar played to what they thought he was going to be. and And I get that. But I think if he makes a just a a good jump into what we think he is and can be, then he's going to be a very valuable part of a – and I think what I'm looking forward to is to see how deep the rotation goes this year. I mean, I, we tried to go 9, 10 deep last year, and that really didn't work. But can we get to that spot this year where we are maybe 9 or 10 deep? Tamar gets a little more run. And, and I'd like to see – and I think Tamar got hurt last year at times because he played with the second unit a lot. He didn't get a lot of run with the first unit, which I thought maybe would have taken some pressure off of. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out for some of these younger guys that we're going to talk. I haven't talked about yet, but I got scoop here at six for me.
0: Yeah, you know, and and Joel brings up an interesting point talking about Cop. He says, "I love the guy, but I could see Banks playing more than Cop by year's in. I could too. Agree. You know, we haven't we haven't talked about Banks yet, but you know, this is the thing. Like, and this is why I ended up siding with Cop over these other guys is just he's done it. And I, to me, you know, I just looked at this. When I think about what's indispensable, this program has to keep the momentum going. This program has got to, you know, be top four or five in the Big Ten, even if they're not competing for it, make the NCAA tournament and be a solid team all year long. And I think COP does more things right now that you can trust. Banks has more talent. Tamar, like we said, can raise the ceiling and do more. Jordan Geronimo, same thing. But COP does more of the things that we've actually seen. And he actually improved as a defensive player. So, you know, look, I think you know the guys after him on my list are more exciting than Miller Cop, but he does bring a lot to the table that we should um, that we should consider. So we go to number seven. I had Tamar Bates. Um, as I said, I think he's got the potential to raise Indiana's ceiling um, more than Cop, but Cop to me keeps Indiana's floor high regardless of how Tamar develops. Um, but the potential for his offensive game, he can be the thing that this that we don't have, which is a, a reliable three-level score. If he becomes that, you got a potential top ten team on your hands. It just that that is what it is. Now we got to see it. Um, and the other thing is that most of the players above him on my list are, you know, plus defenders or at least adequate defenders, and you know, this is going to help Indiana kind of absorb his still developing defense while hoping that the offense um, comes through. And so I love the talent. I love him. I've already said that I think that, you know, I'm bullish on Indiana's, you know, if they play a three-guard lineup of XJ and Hutchifino and Tamar Bates, I think it, it can be the best in the Big Ten and one of the best in the country. Um, but as I sat down to do this, we do still have to see it from Tamar. I think we will. Um, and obviously having him number seven means he's firmly in the rotation and could very well play more minutes than Miller cop. If he does all those things, um, now let's see it. Cause man, if, if we have this top seven with Tamar kind of living up to what we know, you know, what we think he can be as a player, got a really good team on our hands. We can be good even without him, but he can make us really good. And that's, what's so fun about thinking about him this year.
2: Yeah. I, I just had cop at seven. Um, And I think we've all got good reasons for the 5'6'7. Yeah. Who we put at 5'6'7. Okay, so this
0: is interesting. So that means that, so who'd you have, Coach Marlowe?
1: I had Jordan Geronimo here at seven, and to me, he's the wild card. I could, I, right. I, I really, I really thought about putting Jordan Geronimo really kind of anywhere from about four through seven, but I just kind of went here, and I, I, this is a kid that I think has a huge upside, and I hope based on some of the comments he made at the press availability a couple of weeks ago, if his three point shot can come around. He, with his athleticism, this is a kid that could really do some things on the wing and then also still get to the rim. I'm also, as Coach Tonson, who knows, Jordan or Jared, you've been with us as before. Or I've been with you guys before I should put it that way where you guys know I'm a fan of playing small. I would maybe, I would, I know they said they've been having him play a little more three, but I would love to see maybe a small short run at times of Jordan at the four with trace or race as the five and, and play a little smaller and see if we could play with more pace. I still want to see more pace, more tempo from this offense, but uh, you know, we'll see whether that happens and whether I get what I want.
0: Yeah. I had Geronimo here. Um, You know, I'm, uh, I'll believe it when I see it, Uh, when it comes to Jordan Geronimo at the three, you know, can he get the ball handling skills, all those things? I mean, I love Jordan Geronimo. Just, I think, you know, he's about the right things to use an old uh, Archie Miller quote. Um, You know, and I think at a minimum, like the absolute minimum with Jordan Geronimo is he's going to provide a boost of athleticism and energy that can change games. And there will undoubtedly be three, four, five Jordan Geronimo games where he's the difference in winning and losing because he's done that every year he's been here. And so, you know, that to me, you can already trust that that's going to be there. Now, can the shot come around? Can he be that consistent guy? You know, could we go, you know, eight deep and have that kind of athleticism really being productive? That's huge. And then, you know, and and the other question is just I think it just comes down to human nature. You know, is he going to be okay with his role? Um, You know, whatever that role is, Um, you know, and if it doesn't end up being the three, is he going to be okay, you know, with with being that energy guy? Um, Because that's look, when you get to a roster like this, with this many talented guys, not everybody can play as much as they want to. And I believe in the guys that we have and the coach that we have, and I think that they'll be able to navigate those waters. Um, You know, but Jordan's the one I have a question about, just because he may get better and may warrant more playing time. And then you look at the guys above him on that list, and it's really easy to say, but where's the playing time going to come from? And even you look at some of the guys below him on the list, I mean, if Caleb Banks is as good as people have said, you know, so if any of these guys get caught in that crunch, how do they handle it? I, th- I still think it's a big question that we'll have to see answered as we go through the season. Um, so I don't necessarily want to just pin it on one guy, but Jordan is just oozing with such talent and athleticism, um, and so I hope it all comes together for him this season. Um, but you know, now we just uh, we just have to see it because he could easily jump up on this list if some mm-hmm. of those things come around. Coach, who do you have?
2: Uh, we're we're I think we're at number eight. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's for me where Galloway would would have slid in, probably moved up after Coach Marlowe, so awesomely uh, fought for him (laughs) to be a little bit higher. Um, Yeah, I I think you're running into guys that, you know, Galloway and Geronimo 8-9 for me. um, So I I think they fit right in that order. Uh, And then the young guys, um, some of the younger guys start pushing, I think,
0: uh, to to be in the 8-9 spot. And I got cop here at eight. Okay. So he, and we've talked a lot about Miller Mm Cobb. So, so I had nine, 10, I had Banks Galloway. So I was, I had Galloway 10, Coach Marlowe, you had him at three and that's look, here's the, here's the thing. So, so let me, let me defend this Um, or not defend it, but let me, let me just explain it because well, I mean, I, I look, I love Trey Galloway, but as I looked at this, his greatest trait, which is wing defense. We really didn't have anybody to do it last year. You know, we have Jalen hood Shafino now, who, you know, so is some of that, does some of what Galloway gives you in that sense, does it get offset? How much does missing the summer impact him? Um, We've upgraded the athleticism of the roster around him, and that was always one of his difference-making traits. So I just, I struggled to see. Now, look, he's going to find a way to fit. This is the thing Trey Galloway does. You ask all these questions about him, pick apart his game, and then he's playing 20 minutes and impacting winning. So I fully anticipate being wrong on this. It was just hard for me with some of the other guys to, to fit, to find his role and fit in if he doesn't have the jump shot yet. And missing the summer, how does that impact the jump shot? Look, someone has to be number 10. You know, and so whoever we have at number 10, you're going to be like, oh, my God, that's a good player. So and the reason why I had Caleb Banks higher than him is, you know, I guess it, it kind of comes down to potential here. You know, Caleb can really raise Indiana's ceiling um, if he gives Indiana kind of a stretch four look and comes around by the end of the year. That could be a big boost. Now, it's all projection, you know, with him and with a lot of the freshmen. So, again, you want to flip Galloway and Banks, totally fine with that. Um, it was just a little bit easier for me to see how banks could uniquely fit in and do something different than Trey right now, simply because it seems like we have some other perimeter defenders now that we didn't necessarily have in the past or wing defenders, I should say. Um, cause Finney wasn't necessarily going to match up on a taller guy who can do that. So that's my, that's my argument there. Um, and it's, you know, I, w- I would, I would have liked to have all of these guys in the top five. That's the really hard part about this exercise though. So I don't know. What do you guys, what do you think about that? You had him number three. I right?
2: just had Banks at 10 because of his, you know, fitting in. And he's going to have to learn to play defense. Um, where, where I think the other two freshmen are a little more physically and mentally ready playing where they played. And that's just a, a guess. Uh, but I think, I, I just think from what I'm hearing, and, and and once he picks up the college game, I think he's going to be hard to keep from having good minutes. So I think when we do this exercise, we look back, uh, towards the back end of the big ten season, he's gonna be moving up quick. Uh, and again, that's more maybe of a a hope uh, than anything else. But I had him at ten, and really you're you're seven eight, nine ten, you know cop galloway, Geronimo banks that that's just competition right there and and that's mm-hmm. gonna make the team better. It's gonna make those individuals better because they're gonna have to go out and earn their spots. so. Um, no matter how we rank them, I think it's a benefit that, that we have,
1: have that depth. I'm sorry. I'm just enjoying this chat in the, in here between Valerie and Joel, especially about Gallo wine. I'm like, you know, (laughs) trying not to think about those days. Um, they, uh. (laughs) I had banks and gun here at nine and 10. I, I, I really like what I'm hearing about banks. I've not seen him. I saw gun one time in high school and I really thought the kid had a lot of upside. And then he, he, to me, he really showed at the end of the year going into the Indiana all-star games um, that he has that kind of the the ability to shoot shots and make shots. And I think that's why I've got these two here ahead of a couple of the others just because this team desperately needs some shooting. And you may, we, we at the end of the season, we may see one or both of these guys a little higher on this list, because I think that if they can hit shots, that's going to be getting them. That'll make them even more in, 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 indispensable to what we're doing. But right now we just haven't seen it do it in the college game.
0: And you know, it's so easy to say this guy could rise up the list, but man, there's good players up that list, you know, and that's coach, you hit on the big word competition. I mean, that's, that's why this season is fun. This roster has lots of question marks, you know, and the core of this roster, you know, hasn't done anything more yet than make, you know, the round of 64 in the NCAA tournament. So I don't think anybody's getting ahead of themselves by being excited. But you can look up and down, see the different combinations, see different ways Indiana can win, you know, can win games now, which you didn't have in the past. And that's why there's excitement. And I think you can be excited but still kind of keep your feet on the ground and remember all the question marks that there are, which leads me to kind of my rankings on the on the back three. The biggest question mark comes with shooting. You know, so I went gun, Leal, Duncomb, you know to finish it out. Gun and Leal, I think you could put in in either order. I just kind of thought you know the potential of gun shooting, I suppose, is a, a little bit more intriguing than kind of the results we've seen from Leal mm-hmm. so far. But no one's going to be shocked if Leal finds a role, you know, as a guy who can step in and make some big shots. And with dunkum, I think his time is going to come. But we just have so many other options down low this season um, that it doesn't seem like he should really be called on quite yet, uh, barring you know some kind of injury. And then his importance could be, you know, could be bigger. But I just think we have enough other guys who can do what he does. And you know, at some point, we're going to need shooters. And if Leal or Gunn proved to be a consistent knockdown shooter. They're going to go up this list because we're going to end up needing that. So that's where I went. Uh, Do you guys have anything different there in the back end?
2: I'm going to – I put Leo at 11. Uh, I, I like C.J. Gunn, and I think he brings some you know uh, mentality defensively as well as his shot. Uh, I'm hoping he moves up into the rotation. I, re- I really am. But y- you can't ask for a better teammate and all Indiana mentality – bench energy, uh, ability to come in and be ready when his number is called. And, and I know Jay Horry, uh, <laughs> excuse me on that, and I know he has a high uh, percentage of threes, but I think he's an outstanding passer. Um, I think he understands offense and defense position wise. Um, it gets beat. It's just because he's not necessarily quick enough, but You know, Anthony Leo is all in. And again, you need that. Sometimes you have, you don't have enough basketballs uh, for a talented, deep roster. Uh, And I've talked a lot of times about some of these bigger schools only giving you know, nine, 10 scholarships, 11 scholarships to guys who are going to play and fill them out with other types of people. I think that is important to keep team chemistry there and understanding and helping people with their roles. Um, and I think that's a a valuable thing. CJ Gunn, love him. Think he's going to be a really good Indiana Hoosier. Um, so
0: we'll see. I think that's a great argument.
1: Yeah. And I I, I
0: agree with everything you say.
1: I had, I had Renault at 11 here and I know that was lower than you two did. I just, I've just seen 11. I just have seen way too many freshmen, big struggle with, especially on the defensive end. And, and I may be wrong. I hope I am, but I just, you know. I wasn't sure where to put him, and I just he just kind of kept falling down the list for me. Just as you were surprised that I had Galloway that much higher, but I Leal and Duncan rounded out my twelve and thirteen. I'm I'm a coach. I want to see Anthony Leal so badly do well, but uh, he's just he he he, you can tell that he loves having an Indiana uniform on, and he's going to be whether he's on the floor or on the bench, he's engaged in the game. And I agree with you, Jared. I think Duncan's time probably comes more next year and after
0: fun exercise. Um, you know, and that's the thing about a guy like Renault coach. I mean, you're right. Freshman bigs do struggle a lot of times and banking on a guy like that to be, you know, one of your five most indispensable players, that's a dangerous thing. Um, you know, we, we will see, you know, I yep. think from everything that you hear about he and Hood they're just built a little bit differently than most freshmen from the experience they had at Montbird, even just to how they're like physically built actually. And so, you know, we'll see. Um, Again, I think this needs to be a program where guys like that can step in and have key roles. Um, But, you know, there are a lot of other guys there if they stumble and if they struggle a little bit. So it's going to be fun. Um, We got a lot of comments from the chat mob. We appreciate that. If you're listening on the podcast, hey, shoot us a tweet at AssemblyCall. Shoot me an email, jared at assemblycall.com. If you strongly agree or disagree with any of these takes or if you want to send us your list, Uh, folks put them in the community earlier today too and it was a lot of fun Um, so just a fun off-season exercise you know it's a lot of these things may change when uh, the lights come on and the games are for real Um, but fun to do uh, here for the off-season okay gentlemen uh, let's move on now to the final segment of the show we are going to answer some questions from our community members as always they've uh, got some good ones for us we will tee those up and answer those next here on the assembly call All right. Well everybody just decided to talk about drinking in the chat box. So <laughs> I know. Can't, can't tell if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the segment. I would have night party. I
1: would have mm-hmm. thought
0: power ranking, you know, rosters of four or five years ago would have caused people to drink. Power ranking yes. this roster. It's difficult, but man, it's fun because you start seeing all the possibilities. So that is Yeah, let's thing. not pl- let's not play this back at the end of the <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I know Hey, I was gonna be I wanted to
1: be a little contrary so you know
0: hey I mean but you defended it well because that the that's the truth about Trey Galloway is you know he was a huge part of Indiana's best lineups last year and I bet that has happened to him all throughout his basketball career it's like you look at all the other shiny new objects or like other guys that do all these things and Trey's a little bit like race. I think the further removed you get from the games, the easier it is to maybe forget about some of the little things that he does. Um, he's just—he's a really good basketball player, man. If he can just shoot, he's a really good player. So, anyway, you guys ready to answer some questions? Sure. All right, let's do this. Did not get a mediocre question from Jay. Thanks a lot, Jay. All right, here we go this is jordan halls and i never miss a shot or an episode of the assembly call thank you jordan you are listening to the assembly call i'm jared morris here with coach brian Tonsoni and the coach jeff marlowe we just got through power ranking the roster from 1 to 13. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Let us know if you guys have any strong agreements or disagreements with our list. Uh, guys, let's answer some questions. All these questions submitted via our private IU Basketball Discussion Community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com community. Uh, we did not get a mediocre question from Jay, so we are going to skip the mediocre question. Uh, and I don't believe any stupid questions were Uh, well, there is a question from Joel here, so let's hold off. There could be a stupid (laughs) question. We can't confirm that yet. Uh, but no, actually Joel has a good question and let's get to his question first. Curious to hear the panel discuss the expectations for Woody and if their criticism might heighten if his coaching style doesn't adapt to the college game. Uh, I feel like this would have been an interesting question for Ryan to take if he was here. Um, cause he was obviously very credible, but coach, you had obviously some, you know, well, I guess we all had criticisms of, of things that happened last year, but let's start with you coach Tonsoni expectations uh, for coach Woodson this season. And if you do think the criticism will go up a notch here in his second season, if, uh, if you don't see maybe some changes that you're hoping to see, um, I, I think that's
2: fair. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that coach Woodson does well, um, there were a lot of on court things. I think Ryan and I talked about it on, on, on a, a podcast. So uh, I do think that he needs to um, evolve his coaching for the, the collegiate level. And and if not, I think that's fair to bring up, uh, you know, use of timeouts, the substitution patterns, the number of sets, um, those things I think are, are fair game. Uh, I think we're fair about it because we acknowledge we're not in practice and we don't know what, what goes on. But I think, I think that those are, are fair, and a lot of it's going to be if he wins doing it his way, then, then those criticisms fall on deaf ears, right? Um, uh, but last year was great uh, to get back to where we were, but it wasn't perfect. It was too close to being uh, another year without a tournament. Um, so I, I think there needs to be improvement. Uh, and I think he would agree, too. I, I think every coach uh, worth their salt knows they got to coach a little better each each and every year.
0: And the truth is, we don't know – You know, the final story of Mike Woodson's first season hasn't actually been written yet because, you know, we don't know how we're going to look back on that yet for a couple of years. You know, if things are really rolling a couple of years from now, it's going to be, boy, you know, he took over for Archie Miller and, you know, really had to rebuild some things. And they struggled early with a lot of Archie's players and they really got going at the end of the year and he did his thing. But if things never get off the ground or they kind of sputter over the next couple of years, we'll probably look back on that first season and be like, Boy, I guess uh, what we saw over the first you know, 80% of the season was more indicative than that little flurry at the end. Um, and that's just how these things go. But yeah, it's the second season, which means expectations go up. He's got more of his guys there. I think this is the best roster we've had since 2016, 2017. Um, you know, and so I think there's fair expectations. I certainly don't think Mike Woodson shine away from him. He's made it clear his expectation is to win the big 10. And so, yeah, I think there's going to be criticism. If there isn't an adaptation, if it doesn't seem like the personnel is being used, you know, I think that criticism will, will heighten and that'll be fair. Um, but you know, hopefully there's, there's kind of new storylines and new things to talk about because it, you know, those things do evolve. We'll see coach Marlowe. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, I I agree with with what you've both said, but I do think that one of the things I'm going to be watching for that I want to see on the improvement side is how do we play in some of those marquee games? Uh, We're going to go play Arizona. We're going to go play Kansas, Um, uh, Carolina at home in the big 10 challenge, ACC challenge. I want to see us be, there were times I felt like that you could tell Mike Woodson was a first year college coach last year where he kind of got caught not really being aware of what other teams, other programs, marquee type programs did and did well. I think he just assumed it was kind of like the NBA. He would scout them real quickly and be able to make some adjustments. And the kids weren't as good at that. I, I think one of the things that we talked a lot about last year that I want to continue to see are what we saw at the end of the season last year, especially on the offensive end. Um, and I guess I'm going to keep looking behind the bench here. Um, I love the staff. I have nothing against the guys who were actually sitting on the bench, but to me, what I noticed, when we start playing better at the end of the year, there was a guy named Randy Whitman sitting behind the bench and from what I heard was being a little more kind of an advisor to coach Woodson and helping uh, with those things. I'm not saying that's good or bad, but I, I, I thought it was good. I should say it that way, but I mean, I'm not trying to say that's wrong, but I just, I want to see the offense be more like it was those last six, seven, eight games than what it was the majority of the season where it was just a lot of staying around. There has to be more movement to initiate offense. I understand you want to get to four out one in and you want to create driving lanes and you want pick and roll but you don't do it from just putting from what I would call a basic shell drill, you know, set up and, and think you're going to be able to move good teams enough to get open. Um, I want to see more movement initiating. So those are things. And if we see that, then Mike Woodson's growing as a coach. If we go back to kind of where we were for a big chunk of last year, I think some, some criticism will be legit and depending upon how the season plays out.
2: You know, coach Marlowe, all of that comes down to two is, understanding there are just some slight nuances to the to the different leagues and and maybe you have to live through it for a year but you know i'll, I'll go back to letting uh, x call the offense for a majority of the year uh and there were some comments like we didn't know i didn't know what we were running well you're the head coach in college you're supposed to know what what you're you're running um and then at penn state well the team thought that we were we thought we were in zone and, and we should have been okay even against the zone offense when Penn State was in a, a helping man, man to man. So I, I think a good thing is he trusts his players, but college is a little more thumb on the. Uh, you know, I've said this over and over again. I think he needs a little more control uh, of the the college game and putting kids in position to succeed than you have to maybe in the league. Um,
1: and I mentioned and, and I mentioned it earlier. I don't mind going nine or ten deep. I was one of those guys as a coach. If I could get to eight, nine in a high school game, I was okay with that. But you can't just have a first unit, second unit. That I don't think that works. Yeah. You got to stagger your rotation.
0: Okay, I'm trying to do some research here for one of the questions that we have coming up. Uh so we'll get to Phillips question here in a minute. Uh oh, look at this. We got a question from a Jeff Marlowe, uh who submitted this before he knew he was gonna be on the show. Uh, to honor the late great Vin Scully. Man, was he awesome. Uh, who is or was your favorite broadcaster as a fan to listen to call games? I assume you mean other than the great Don Fisher, of course. Uh, Jeff says, for me, I grew up listening to Marty Brenneman on Reds Radio for basketball. I think Jerry Baker is the best play-by-play guy I have ever heard. So Long-time Tons-
1: voice of the Pacers.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Coach Don Sony, why don't you take this first?
2: Obviously, Vin Scully. I used to just watch Dodger games just to, just to hear uh, Vin, Vin Scully. Um, you know, uh, Pat Foley of the Blackhawk. Um, just what was a voice that I remember uh, my dad and I used to sit by the radio and listen to hockey and and try to keep track of the lines and who was playing. Um, You know, and then boy, you know, you get to Pat Summerall and that's not radio, that's television uh, a a little bit more uh, there. Um,
1: It could be either one. I I wasn't specific.
2: You know, Jack Brickhouse was back in my day with watching WGN. Uh, starting up and watching the the Cubs, that that was a voice. Uh, I I think, you know, you can go back and and find your team. There are some great voices, uh, and there are some great voices that might not be uh, extremely uh, famous, like Ed Farmer, of the White Sox was. Uh, I was going to say a him good voice, right? Yes, yes, um, Ed Farmer. You know, is it Ernie Harwell from was yep. he Detroit? Yeah, um, man, you know, radio. There's something about listening to baseball on yes. radio too. That I listen to baseball on radio, just even if it's on TV, just listen to, to it on radio because it, it it's such a fun, uh, a fun listen. So there there's so many. That's a great question.
0: Yeah, as a White Sox fan, I love Ed Farmer. I was, you know, I know Hawk Harrelson is a a love him or hate him type guy. I loved listening to him, um, and obviously Don Fisher. I mean, gosh, my childhood was. You know, listening to Don Fisher call IU football games, especially, you know, the road games that we didn't go to, uh, and then listening to him call basketball games. To me, he's always, I mean, he's the greatest. i'll show
1: you my age that for scully it's still the 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 quintessential first of all scully helps make for love of the game one of my favorite baseball movies and secondly the the 86 world series it gets through buckner here comes Mm -hmm. night and the mets win i'm you know 30 some years ago and i still remember that call i
2: don't believe what i just saw (laughs) that's actually (laughs) jack buck that was jack buck in um gibson's home run
1: gibson's home run right yep scully let the Yankees they, win the
2: pennant the Yankees win the pennant there's some
1: great calls I did not realize this till I went back I saw it in the obit yesterday about scully and they talked about um and I think this goes even I do some local announcing here and I probably over talk it there too but when Gibson hit the home run scully was doing it on NBC he didn't talk for a minute
0: <laughs> Wow! after <laughs> the so home run
1: like... he just let the crowd the roar of the crowd and everything it's amazing
0: Amazing. Um, all right, from Philip. Everyone is hoping for better th- uh, shooting from the three-point line this year. Does anyone know who was IU's all-time three-point percentage leader for a season, and what percentage did they shoot? Trivia time. I did not know this. Can't minimum believe shot? I forgot this. Actually, Offered? Okay, would so be my guess.
1: Minimum it's number a, of shots. It's an
0: excellent guess. Yeah. So, what minimum number of shots do we want to go with? Because Jay that Edwards. Does- Okay, Jay Edwards also an excellent guess. <laughs> You've got two guesses there. <laughs> I'm just throwing okay. out random names. You two off. excellent guesses. So, Nick, if we're going Nick Zies to Zies go after Jalen Blackman. Um James Blackman. I mean. James Blackman is actually not in there. He just missed just missed the cut. So, here's the thing. If we're going to go minimum 100 shots, Jay Edwards is number 1 at 53.6%, Steve Alford number 2 at 53%. Steve Alford took 200 threes in the first year of the three-point line, shot 53%. So if you want to go minimum 200 attempts, (coughs) then Alford would be number one. But number one, according to the IU Media Guide, number one all-time, single-season three-point percentage, the great Pat Graham. 56.9% in 1994, that was on 72 attempts. He was 41 of 72. Matt Roth in 2012 went 54.5% on 77 attempts. So to, And look, I mean, that's, you know, two-ish attempts per game, I suppose. Uh, and I guess, you know, back in the days they played, that was a little bit more reasonable. You wouldn't do that now. Um, but to me, let's bump that up to a minimum of 100. And then Jay Edwards is number one. Steve Walford, number two. Uh, and let's not forget, also, the most underrated three-point shooting season in the history of Indiana basketball. Do you know what it is? His name never comes up when we talk about the great three-point shooters. And he had one of the most underrated three-point shooting seasons because I think in Big Ten play, he shot – yeah, he shot 53.5% in Big Ten play. OG? From, da- from downtown. No. Okay. Calvert. Greg. Jean. Greg Graham. Calvert. Oh, oh, no, Calvert Calver was solid. But Greg Graham, 53.5% uh, overall that season. He was number five, 51.4%. Man, we're His just trying to get to 36,
2: up. 37. <clears throat>
0: with these guys
1: yeah i know did we have anybody shoot over
0: a hundred threes last year x shot Even? 90 well parker stewart did okay x shot like 93 or 95 i think pat graham one of the great what ifs of the iu basketball oh man pat graham what an amazing shooter he was yep um,
2: you know coach marlow you bring up a, a good point where where were we in, in volume shooting of, of threes the last couple of years? I know the offense has run through the, the double post and we've got a lot of action in the post. Do we need just to shoot more? Obviously you need to make more in order to shoot more, but did I, well, I don't coach, know that we're in a the situation data. where we you know, if your best shooter's only taking what, ninety three shots or something like that, or Parker shot over that, but
0: Well, let's look at the data, Coach. Last year we were three hundred and twenty-first in the country in the percentage of our field goal attempts that were threes. So it's obviously you've got to be higher. And if you think back to the Archie Miller era, it wasn't a whole lot higher than that.
2: You score at the rim and you score at the line.
0: And I know you need a mid-range
2: game just to offset stuff, but you really you can't be that offset and be a top-notch offensive team. You you've got to be able to hit the three and shoot it.
0: Yep. And be free to shoot it. Yep. And, you know, I don't think we're going to be a great three point shooting team by any means this year. But I do. I mean, gee whiz. I probably I have probably said this exact sentence like four or five years in a row. So I don't, maybe I'm just not even going to say it. Like, I do think we have a chance to be a better three point shooting team this year. There you, go. you know, I mean, last year we were at least 200th in percentage, you know, but look, I mean, that's just. That's a silly offseason thing. Cops got to step up. X needs to shoot like he did last year. Hood needs to be a real shooter. Tamar Bates has to step up. Like all these things need to happen. And if they, you know, if they don't, we're gonna be, you know, that first weekend NCAA tournament team that's in the top four or five in the Big Ten. Shooting comes around, we can compete for a Big Ten title and make a run in the NCAA tournament. So we will see. Tom says, has anyone heard how Trey's rehab is coming? I don't know. According to Coach Marlowe, it's going great um <laughs> no i have not heard uh how his rehab is going um but i would assume i would assume everything is progressing well uh in the absence of uh of hearing anything else um all right guys i think that's gonna do it oh wait there is one more question here from ari uh ari uh just got back from a month-long vacation in israel what is your favorite place in the world that you have visited Coach Marlowe, you already answered this. Barcelona and Florence, Italy. Uh, Italy would also be mine. Um, Florence was a beautiful place.
1: I love Barcelona.
0: Yeah. I have not been there, but I do want to go there. Uh Coach Tonsoni, what's your favorite? Place? I have not
2: traveled out out of the country. Canada. If you count that in my youth.
0: Canada counts. So it doesn't does it, did Ari specifically say out of the country? Say, Oh, no. favorite place in the world. Okay. In the world. Yeah, so it could still be. I guess it could still be Bloomington. Yeah, <laughs> he said the world. <laughs> he
2: said the world. I go to Bloomington That's and right. get me a Stromboli. Yeah, you're going to live music at. Uh, yeah,
0: Bluebird's favorite place in the world is the Homefield Apparel Warehouse.
2: No kidding. That is. His I'm anchoring place. for a retirement gig there. <laughs> I
0: think I just well, paid for keep, their new warehouse. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. I think you'll get there.
2: Joel, uh, ask, is West
1: Lafayette a foreign country? Oh,
0: man. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: uh, might as well be for recruits who want to cash in on NIL, apparently. Don't, don't or hold trophies. Don't very well up in West Lafayette. <laughs> uh, All righty. Well, that is going to do it for us on this week's edition of Wait. the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thank you, as always, to Bob Thompson for producing our music. And thank you to John Ringer of rigsdesign.com for designing our logos, which we love. And thank you for listening. We will talk to you next Thursday, uh, as we always do. Until then.
2: Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers.
1: Thank you. Thanks for coming out.
2: Here I come, (laughs) Mr. Sony.
0: All right. Good stuff, fellas. Yes, it was. Good job. Good job. All right, gentlemen. Have yourselves a good evening. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And uh, we'll see you all inside the community. See you on Twitter. See you in the in- email inboxes. And see you here next Thursday night. Peace. Bye, everybody. See you guys.
1: Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate.